welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians, where we inspire, motivate, and empower every woman in medicine to be the best leader you can be, and where we give you the practical skills and tips to help you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Dr. Asha. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Amy Pulido, who I am honored to know and have known her for several years. She is the Chief of Anesthesia at Memorial Regional Hospital, which is a big hospital system here in the South Florida area. It's a large level one trauma center. And prior to being Chief of Anesthesia, she has also served in several leadership positions, including the Surgical Services Executive Committee, the Multidisciplinary Peer Review, and she was chief resident when she was an anesthesia resident at the University of Miami Jackson Memorial Hospital. Amy and I have known each other for several years, and she has been a strong supporter of the Women in Anesthesia Leadership Movement, both within the company uh, we both work for, which is Envision uh, Physician Services, and also in her own hospital and the local community. She's also been chief proponent of the Lean In Local Physician Circle, and I'm going to have her talk about that in a little bit. But to start off, Amy, welcome to the show, and I'd like to start off with the beginning. Uh, Can you take me back to when you were uh, chief resident and what the future looked for you at that point, what you were hoping to do in your career at that point. Hi, thank you very much for having me, Asha. I'm honored to be speaking with you and sharing my story. The chief resident position was definitely a big role as far as my leadership development. I had no aspirations of taking that on. Like many anesthesia residents, I wanted to learn how to become a great physician and take perfect care of my patients. And I had been approached in my intern year to get involved with the Committee of Interns and Residents, which is the local union at Jackson Memorial for the resident physicians. And I didn't have big political views or anything, but it, I felt that if someone was asking me to lend my voice to represent my group of anesthesia interns and residents, that was something that I should try to do. And I worked with them and learned a lot. And I think that kind of had me stand out when they were making their decisions in regards to who to ask to be the chief resident. And again, I shared the responsibility with my co-chiefs who are amazing people. And we just all figured it out as we went along and learned a lot about other people during that time. So let's take off on that. So learned a lot about other people because what I tend to find is women in residency, we tend to focus on being good physicians and learning all the skills. And you figured out early on that the people skills from what it sounds like is what took you to the next step. Yeah, I've always been a people person. And so connecting with patients is one way that I satisfy that. But serving, especially in anesthesia, you're serving your colleagues 
is a great way to connect um, with them. So, So what happened next? So first job out of residency and then what? I began working at Memorial Regional Hospital. That was my first job out of residency. And I remember one of my colleagues at the time, who's now my regional medical director, said to me, we need to get you a title. (laughs) And I had no interest in getting a title or anything like that. But I think that he, along with many of my partners, saw in me the desire to want to help my colleagues and found that as being an important part of leadership. And it's so funny because I was thinking back because I have two young children as Josh, I have two boys who are seven and nine, Nathan and Evan. And I, I think about my own experiences and compare it to them and theirs. And I remember being that young and having many teachers talk to me about leadership and leadership development. And I really had no interest. I didn't know what it was. It was such a vague term that they would talk about leadership development in children. And I feel like it was just, it was such a nebulous term. And I still feel like it's nebulous in a way. What is leadership? And I think it's different things to different people. And to me, leadership is making things better, using your voice to make things better for your colleagues, your patients, and the people that you're interacting with every day. And that is so important because uh, what I've heard from you is a couple of things is other people recognize the leadership qualities in you before you recognize it yourself. Certainly. And and that's something we all do. Yes. I think that part is a little different for women, uh, physicians or women in general, where we don't recognize that in ourselves or even um, aspire to that a lot of the times until someone points it out to you or you get thrown into leadership positions. And it's interesting that you, with, with your kids now, it's hard to figure out. It is a very nebulous term. And how do you train or how do you guide someone to be leaders even at that young age? But you remember that from that age. So obviously there was something there that was seen and felt and recognized. Okay, so after your in your first job, how did you, what was the progression then? So the progression was that I began taking on small projects. There were certain things that coming from, whenever you start a new position, you come with a fresh set of eyes and things that the people who have been working in there probably don't realize that they're missing. And so one of the things I worked on was updating our consent form for Jehovah's Witness patients because I felt the form did not do an adequate job of of prompting a good conversation between the physician and the patient. And so I worked with the local uh, ministry and the lawyers of the hospital. And that was a pretty big project to undertake, but I persevered. I learned how hard and difficult it is to change even forms Um, especially legal forms at a large institution. But I think the fact that I persevered with that and uh, was able to connect with people, not just in medicine, I think that a a good leader reaches out to those other, like the ministers and, and really tries to 
involve as many voices as possible when they're trying to improve things and change things. I think that was something that helped. And then there was opportunities to join certain committees. Basically, they kept on asking me and I mostly said yes, which I think is a trap for women. I, I said yes, because I wanted to. I am fortunate that I have a lot of support at home with my husband. He does more than 50% of the, the household responsibilities, even when he was, he's staying at home now with everything that's going on. But even before then, he was really involved. And um, so I had that support to do those extra tasks because that takes extra time. I was not given time to do that at that point. What I would like to see to move the needle is I would like to see that men or women are given time to do those kind of development projects built into their work and allow that separation of work life and home life to the degree that they would like it to be. But so anyway, I took on those responsibilities and those projects. One thing led to another. I was asked to be on the hospital's peer review committee, which I felt was a great honor. I still continue to serve in that role and it's really educational and collaborative with the other physicians in the hospital and then vice chief and then chief. Yeah. So I heard a couple of things. And the first thing was you volunteered for something that interested you, but you weren't asked to do. And you learned a lot of things and you said yes to a whole lot of projects, which I think a lot of women physicians, when they look at how do you get, they ask, how should, how do I get involved? I want to get involved. And that's, I think, one of the key things where you volunteer for things that sometimes other people don't want to do. And you do it to your the best that you can. And as you, you learn skills and you get seen and noticed and you get given more responsibilities and that's a slow step step-by-step to leadership. But the second part also that I want to touch on is you talked about the support you had at home. And for so many young physicians, that's one of the stumbling blocks sometimes where you don't know how to fit in being a mom, being um, a, a wife, to also taking on these extra leadership roles at work where you don't necessarily have dedicated time to it. So you touched on your husband is very supportive, but can you tell our audience a little bit more about how they can play those roles? Absolutely. I am fortunate enough to work with some really great women physician mentors who have been trailblazers and have gone down the road of being a mother, being a physician. Dr. Lauren Kimmel early on just gave me this advice and I take it to heart and give it to every other man or woman, outsource what you can get someone. If you can, if you're financially able to, you know, outsource cleaning your home and doing just different things. I even outsourced potty training, which is a whole nother story. And I, I do highly recommend that. But I, in order not to, my, my husband is one side of support, but he can't be burdened to a a high degree either. And I think you never feel like you're winning in every aspect of your life. I just don't think that's a reasonable goal. I think it's just important to feel like you're good enough 
at, at your mother role, your work role, your wife role, your friend role. And we all would prefer probably to move that piece of the pie graph and make and make certain areas larger and other areas smaller. And you just have to take those opportunities when you can. And when you can give that attention to your spouse or your kids, you try to focus very much on them because there will be other times like now with COVID that I'm having to focus so much with work. And, and that's okay because I've tried to build what we needed ahead of time with my family, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's something that outsourcing uh, was hard for me to do in the beginning, but eventually you get there. But something that a lot of young women physicians should probably look at as soon as they can do financially, I think we are in a better position sometimes to do that once we are attendings, but to really outsource because if you want to be in leadership, then that's something that we've got to be, as you said, you can make the plate bigger, but certain things you cannot you know, get off the plate. So now as chief at your hospital, what are some of the challenges you face as a leader? Whether that has anything to do with you being a female physician or not, we can touch on, but as a leader, what are the challenges that you face? I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if your audience is mostly anesthesiologists, but I think that being an anesthesiologist, but also being a physician is a challenging role. And it's more than I probably realized when I started this career because of that tightrope you walk with taking great care of your patients, which is cannot suffer or be neglected. You, you can't negotiate on that one, but surgeon relationships, administrative relationships, colleague relationships, there's a lot of give and take there. And just working with the different personalities, I think women actually are very well suited for leadership because typically women have very high emotional intelligence, which I think can help you navigate those different worlds with ease. And I think that it's a process and we're all learning and growing every day, finding your voice and being comfortable in your own skin. Everyone struggles with that off and on and just realizing that when you mess up, just you can't beat yourself up. You just have to try to learn from it and move on because we all make mistakes. I compare myself to my male colleagues because that's all I've had here as far as leadership. And I, I find actually a lot of similarities. Some of the things they get away with, I don't as much, but I realize that because people have certain expectations just based on your gender. And I don't know that you can completely separate that. And I don't think they're bad. It, that's, it's almost just human nature. I think it's not something you can, recognizing that I try to understand that I sometimes have to take what they're going to be expecting from me in consideration. Now, I still am myself. I'm still true to myself. I think that's very important. Part of all of this is that I am always true to myself. I've always been very outspoken and I don't plan not to be. But I do, as a leader, I've learned when to keep my mouth shut and what battles to fight and how not to take the bait. That's been, I think, a very a very important role or important lesson that I've had. 
Can you give us some examples of that? Because that's interesting. Engaging with certain personalities who have power and want to yield it. And when you step out of line, they like to bring it up the chain. And I've always had a lot of support from Envision with my leaders and bosses with, with protecting me from that. But just sometimes I'm someone that I like to fight for injustices, but I've learned that there's a time and a place to do it. And sometimes at the front of the front board in front of everyone, it's probably not the best time to get in a high-pitched argument with a power, a high-volume surgeon. And it's not that I'm giving in to them. I've just found other ways that are more successful to get what I want accomplished than just going toe-to-toe all the time. Certain personalities you can do that with and certain you get to learn how to read people and you understand if you can understand what their motivations are, then you can negotiate better with them. I think that's a key point. If once you figure out what their motivation is. Yeah. But that's a really good learning point where I think even personally, a younger me would probably want to stand my ground and fight. But as leaders, you realize you need to st- take a step back. And as you said, the front board is not the place to have a knockdown argument. You can take it out outside of the room. So you would talk a little bit about the mentors that you've had. Can you expand on that? Because that's something I think a lot of us either lack or uh, don't have enough of. Certainly. I have been really fortunate to not just have mentors who are people that give you advice, like like Lauren Kimmel, but also sponsors. So people that are ahead of you, above you, and have leadership roles and have talked to their colleagues and, and the other people in leadership roles that this is someone you need to develop. This is someone that has a lot of potential. Jean Miles has been someone that's been a big sponsor. Joe Loscove has been a big sponsor. These are people who not only are giving advice, but also able to say this person needs to be developed and we see their potential. I guess it's kind of like, you know, what you were saying before, back in residency, it wasn't something that I strove for, but someone said you would be good at that. I don't know if you can find a sponsor. I think the sponsors gravitate towards those people that they know are interested. I think one way you can find a sponsor or get a sponsor to to do that for you is to let them know you're interested. And that's been a big reason why I worked with Lean In and, and some of the other anesthesiologists in the area. Because I think as women, we're so, I, I think women are, are just more often humble, which is a good thing in a leader, which is, I think, necessary in a leader. But because of that humility, when someone says, you would be a great chief, we say, no. And we brush it aside. And I think we have to get comfortable as women to say, I never thought of myself in that role. And thank you for the compliment and and let it go. And I've certainly tried to work with the women around me to mentor them and sponsor them also and teach that. But that's, I had a conversation with someone who was a vice chief, a female, who I think 
very highly of. And that was the conversation she was saying to me. I said, when are you going to be chief? And she said, no, I, I don't want. Yeah. But she was obviously doing it because actually the vice chief role is probably the hardest role <laughs> because you're balancing a lot more when you're in that role. And I just said, I think what you're doing now is, is extremely difficult and you would do a great job. So I, I just think that if you say no, then other people will, pa- they think you don't want it and they'll pass you up. So you have to be a little more, maybe just open to not brushing it off. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that was going to be my question on how do you find a sponsor, but you don't. You basically, as people recognize certain qualities in you and you um, own up to it. And like you said, it may not be something you thought of right then, but I'm sure that's going to give you some thought when you go back home and sit down and think that this person thinks me capable of this and maybe I should. And so say part of that is also then saying yes to a lot of things that uh, make, make you uncomfortable. And so let's talk a little bit about that lean in circle because you've run a couple of groups that I've attended and they have been very empowering. Thank you. Yeah. So I had started that with the diversity inclusion initiatives that Envision was starting up and we were luckily able to get sponsored for some meeting time with dinners and it was a cross specialty events and it, it was very helpful. I really liked reaching out and meeting some of the other people that worked in our, in my company that live in the area. And it's been, I think, very well received. And uh, my challenge is always is finding someone to take that on next. <laughs> my goal is to start it and pass the baton. And I wasn't, I wasn't successful in doing that so much. I, it's been taking a back seat right now with everything that's going on, but it's still always out there. And I have several new women physicians that are joining my group and I plan to talk to them about their interests and what they'd like to do. Yeah. So outside of medicine, what is your passion? Outside of medicine, my passion is the ocean. I love everything about the ocean. I grew up sailing Hobie cats on Fort Lauderdale beach and I really love it. Now that my kids are older, they're definitely able to share those things with me more. Evan did some sailing lessons last year and he thankfully liked it. And yeah, I love snorkeling, scuba diving, boating, all of it. Yeah. So there is no such thing as work-life balance, but how do you balance your life? There is no such thing. I got a lot of flack for doing work at the dinner table So having the Apple Watch was my way of being able to be connected because staffing always was happening right at dinner. And and it was a little bit less obtrusive than me pulling out my phone, answering my scheduler, and then maybe checking Instagram or Facebook or something like that. Once you have it out, you might as well just see what else is going on and be more present for my family. The watch was my cheat to feel like I'm still available for work, but also it minimizes what I can, because I'm not looking on Instagram or anything on my watch. That was my little success story there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just continue to strive to 
take as good of care as my of my family and uh, and my colleagues at and my work family as well. Really struggle. <laughs> it is. And the more we talk about self-care and all those things, do you give yourself some time to unwind and do other things? Do you schedule it? How do you make it work? One of the CRNAs I worked with had uh, this massage therapist that would come and she would come to, to her house and she had such a long drive. She'd always schedule her to come to my house because I live nearby. So that was nice. We don't have that anymore though because she decided that massage therapist decided she was going to stay stationary. I try to, I do massages every now and again. We're very fortunate that we have some close friends with kids of similar ages and our husbands get along. So we try to get together with them. It's been really hard during COVID because we haven't been doing that. And just read a good book or listen to a good podcast. There you go. There you go. Okay. Last question. For a woman physician right out of residency within the first five years of practice, who's maybe starting to think about, I would love to be involved or have my voice heard, uh, what would your advice be? I, my advice is to certainly not dismiss someone if they give you a compliment about your presence or your leadership abilities. I would say that you should certainly be open to taking on more projects if they're meaningful to you. Obviously, boundaries are very important for women in leadership, and you certainly want to make sure that you are not sacrificing your own personal time for this potential. I think that being able to have in your mind what those boundaries are, taking on projects, like I said, that you feel are going to reward you. And it doesn't, it's not always monetarily, but there should be some, something to gain from doing projects. A lot of times for me, it was educational. I was happy to learn about a different system and I felt like I was getting something out of it, but you don't want to take on projects that you don't feel like you're getting something out of it because then you're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. Say yes to, to things that people are offering you. And uh, I think just to support one another, before we got on the air, we talked about our tribe, right? Having a group of women and men that are supportive of you having a voice. I think leadership is to me, it's not about telling people what to do. Leadership is having a voice. And I think it's very important for all of us, men and women, to feel like we have a voice. Physicians are at a time that we need to find our voice and be united with that. And that is a perfect way to end this. We need to find our voice. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was so nice to see you. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this valuable, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with a colleague. And remember, you are a leader. Tune in in a couple of weeks for the next episode.